the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the grace and peace of God our Father, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, be with you always. Now, I'd like to, on behalf of Rosemary and our family and everybody else connected with Tommy, to welcome you here today. Now, it's very important that I've started this off, because if you read Monsignor Monaghan's article in The Flourish, what impressed us priests about Tommy Burns is the most important thing in his life was his relationship with God. It's fashionable now for people who have maybe read nothing more than the Daily Record to tell me all the time when I meet them, I'm not religious. It gets on my nerves because I don't go around saying to people, I'm religious. But what they're really saying is you're stupid. That's what they really mean to say, and they're dead smart. We buried a Jesuit the other day who spoke every European language and was a fluent scholar in Syrian and Greek and Hebrew. So believing in God and being daft are not synonymous. So Tommy Burns was a man of deep, deep faith and it practically showed itself in the love he had with his wife, with his children and his friendships and the grace of God worked on him so that by the end of his life he was at the serenity gate and although there's a radical separation between this life and the next life, and that atomic explosion that Christians call the resurrection and the long evolution of human life, Tommy is still in communion with us, with all the people that are in love, because God has got no favourites, and anybody who lives a life of love gets to the party. And those who claim that they're the friends of God, if we don't come up with the goods, we can get a tan elsewhere. Let's listen now to the Lord as he speaks to us in this Easter season. And I heard a voice, the book of Revelation says, from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead, who from now on die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labours, for their deeds follow them. Your response is, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. No one who waits for you shall be put to shame. These shall be put to shame who heedlessly break faith. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me your truth and teach me, for you are God my Saviour, and for you I will wait all the day long. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. <clears throat> Remember that your compassion, O Lord, and your kindness are from old. The sins of my youth and my frailties don't remember. In your kindness remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Good and upright is the Lord, that he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice. He teaches the humble his way. To you, Lord, I lift up my soul. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and constancy towards those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, you will pardon my guilt, even if it is great. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. 
Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will refresh you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest. The Gospel of the Lord. Anniversaries and graves speak of the brevity of our lives. It goes in very quick. And it's a human thing to do. And death is very much part of the Christian psyche, especially in my tradition. But everybody is, has got a reminder of somebody that they love every day, their absence not being there, because we are very much dependent on physicality, on touch and sense. This afternoon, the Christian community and all our friends here with us are supporting Rosemary and her family by simply being here. And from Tommy's background, which Tommy would love, first of all, we offer worship to God and give glory to God for our lives in whom we're all grounded. We breathe in and breathe out, thanks to God. We thank God for somebody like Tommy, whom he loaned to us for such a short time. We ask God's mercy on him still, because we're all sinners. We console Rosemary and the family. And it's in this Eastern season that we sign up for that team of witnesses that's been around for 2,000 years. The Christ is either who he said he is or he's a fraud. Anything we believe, we take on the witness of other people. And people from fishermen to presidents and kings, saints and sinners, have followed Christ down through history. And Tommy Burns was one of them. And that long evolution of her life, hard to believe, I'm 65 in August, I've had more comebacks myself than Lazarus. That we're, all, we're all embryos, hard to believe I was an embryo the size of me. But anyway, Christ, Christ has promised us all a future even, in, even larger than death. And it's something we can't really put into human words. A woman said to me recently, well, I, will I be fat and will my man still be bald in the next life? I said, don't ask stupid questions. <laughs> the Catholic Church, in all our funerals and at the end of them, we don't do eulogies. It's a word that everybody uses. When I worked in the housing department, they used to come up. Helen McDonald's worked with me in the housing department and they would come up with the N-word when they were getting transferred people to other houses. They would say, we're getting decanted. <laughs> They can't. It's, anyway, eulogy means to bum somebody up. We don't do we don't do eulogies in the Catholic tradition. We do another thing called appreciations or remembrances or a, a posh Greek word panegyric. It's a nicer word than eulogy because if you do do too many eulogies, priests are terrible for it, especially if it's somebody that's supposed to be famous. They bum them up too much. And I mean, I've been at funerals, especially with other priests and they want to go out and check the coffin at the right funeral. <laughs> so, so in our situation, we do an appreciation, and I like that word. And of course, I met Tommy Burns 30 odd years ago, uh, when I was a young priest down in Alexandria. He was down there visiting something, and that's the first time I met him. And I think, as I said at the beginning there, that Whitman Senior Monaghan wrote in The Flourish, I noticed that the first time I ever met him, 
30 years ago. And footballers tell me sometimes, because he had a short fuse when he was younger, he lost the rag a lot. I can identify that myself. My mother used to always say, don't press that effort button. Anyway, and the grace of God worked it on him and produced over the years the man and the husband and the football player and the friend he is. And I used to meet him in St Vincent's often. He would very sheepishly say to me after any mass, Father, would you mind if I stayed behind a while at the Blessed Sacrament Chapel? Stay as long as you like, son. If I came back two hours later, he was still there in utter tranquility and contemplation. Something was going on that I couldn't see. There he was for two hours. The clergy could take a leaf out of that book. Maybe we sat in front of the tabernacle more often instead of the telly. We might be doing a lot more. And he asked for another day. As a husband and father and son and grandfather then, you're all here with your own memories. I'll leave them to you. And we'll re we remember him well. He gave us the very best shot. Now, it's never the right time for anybody we love to die. My best pal died there four years ago. And he was heartbroken leaving his son and daughter, as you can imagine. They found me quite upset the morning he died, but he was frightened. I sat with him the whole day, and whatever happened, sitting there, towards the end, he said to the son, you look after your mammy, I'll not be here. And they went out, and he turned to me, and he said, thank you very much for all that you've done for me. And I said, what? I mean, all that you've done for me? No, all that you've done for me. So it was his right time. Because he was peaceful, serene, and it was Tommy's right to have no hours. We would keep the people we love forever, but that's no our decision. But we can hope, as the Second Vatican Council says, that Tommy is with all those whom God the Father has made his own in ways known to God alone through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. And although there's a radical separation between this life and the next, there's a continuity. Tommy's still in communion with us in that other life and we'll all be there when it's our turn. You're getting a few more prayers just to remind you that you should begin going a bit more of a place in your life. Funny all the atheists call for God when they're about to snuff it. Anyway, <laughs> you repeat after me, Lord of mercy, Christ of mercy, Lord of mercy. Now your response is, pray for him. Holy Mary, Mother of God, St. Michael, St. John the Baptist, St. Joseph, St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Andrew, St. Margaret of Scotland, St. Columba, St. Patrick, St. Stephen, St. Anne, St. Teresa, St. Catherine, all holy men and women. Now your response is, Lord, hear our prayer. Christ pardon all his faults, Lord, hear our prayer. Remember the good he has done. Lord, hear our prayer. Receive Tommy and all our people into heightened life. Lord, hear our prayer. Comfort Rosemary and all our family and all who mourn Tommy's passing. Lord, hear our prayer. Now you repeat after me. Lord of mercy. Christ of mercy. Lord of mercy. With Christ there's fullness and mercy and we say the prayer all Christians say. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All-powerful Father, whose mercy towards everybody here and the whole of human history is never withheld from those who call upon you in their need. Look kindly on Tommy and all the people buried here in this cemetery who, departing this life, confessing your name, are now, we hope, among all your saints forevermore. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. May his soul and the souls of all the faithful depart. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Thank you. Right, the next person. <laughs> Thanks, Father James Ockery. How do you follow that? In closing the ceremony, I'd just like to say, welcome to Lynn Cemetery as we commemorate the final resting place of the great Celtic legend, Tommy Burns, on his 10th anniversary. We welcome today's speakers. Firstly, the Celtic Chief Executive, Peter Lawwell. Peter has been Chief Executive for almost 15 years, and in that time, he's delivered 11 league titles, with seven in a row and three to go. <laughs> Next up is Celtic manager, Brendan Rodgers. The biggest gauge of Brendan's popularity with the Celtic support was when 13,000 turned up to welcome him before he'd even sat in the dugout to Celtic Park. He's already a Celtic legend, and we'd just like to take this opportunity, Brendan, to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the success that you've brought to our club in less than two seasons. Thanks very much, Brendan. Long may it continue. But my favourite quote from Brendan was recently when he said, I'm in the best job in the world. I absolutely love it here. I'm so happy here at Celtic. I'm in a job that I love. We are eternally grateful to both Peter and Brendan for giving up their day on a Saturday to stand with the Celtic support as we remember one of our own. Ladies and gentlemen, please show your appreciation and welcome Peter and Brendan to today's ceremony. <laughs> Next up is uh, former Celtic manager Gordon Strachan, who won three titles in his four years at Celtic and he also formed a great friendship with Tommy Burns. Gordon is never short of a quote too, I believe. But the one I like best is, I don't know if there's another big club where the supporters have a love, like the Celtic supporters have a love for this club. And you're not wrong there, Gordon. We then have Billy Stark to represent the Celtic centenary team, a team so special I've got many of them here today to honour Tommy. Paul McStay sends his apologies as he lives in Australia now, but he's actually posted one of his Scotland caps so they could raise funds for the Tommy Burns Skin Cancer Trust. We then have Paul Cuddy, the editor of the Celtic View and author of the Tommy Burns book, 
a supporter who got lucky. We then have Willie Hawkey, lifetime Celtic supporter, former Celtic board member and a great personal friend of Tommy Burns. And last but not least, representing the Burns family, we have Tommy's son Michael to say a few words. The most important people at any ceremony are the family. And Tommy can be so proud of his wife Rosemary, his daughters Emma and Jenna, and his sons Michael and Jonathan as he looks down on us today. They're so humble, they're just like Tommy. After the speeches, I had my notes here, Father James Dockery will conduct the blessing, so you'll have to do all that all over again, Father. <laughs> but we'll then lay some flowers at the grave before I'll close the ceremony with a few words of thanks. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the Celtic Grave Society's 40th ceremony in our eight years, and this is where it gets personal because Tommy Burns was a man we all know and love. As a humble Celtic supporter, I'd like to just say a few words about what made Tommy Burns so special for us. Tommy, for many of us, personified what Celtic means to us all, both on and off the pitch. And the biggest compliment we could give him is the title, Mr Celtic. He ticked all the boxes. He was born in the Calton, just three streets away from St Mary's uh, Hall, where Celtic were founded. He went to St Mary's School, where Brother Walfred himself taught from 1870 to 1873. And he was even taught by the Marist brother, Brother Jerome. And of course, he worshipped at St Mary's, the parish of Celtic's birth. In fact, if Tommy was born 75 years earlier, he'd have queued up for the poor children's dinner tables that Celtic were formed to fund the maintenance of. You could just imagine the wee red-haired kid with the cheeky patter winding up Brother Dorotheus and Brother Walfred as he skipped the queue. And of course, he played football the Celtic way. One of Tommy's most apt quotes was when you pull on that jersey, you're not just playing for a football club, you're playing for a people and a cause. It summed up that iconic bond that Tommy had with the support. He was a living embodiment of the Celtic spirit. He played for the jersey he loved and he never forgot his working class roots. He was one of our own. I was at Tommy's funeral at St Mary's. It was a huge outpouring of grief but it was also a huge outpouring of love for a man we adore. I remember coming out of the chapel and looking at all the Celtic players and immediately thinking that natural thought, where's Tommy? Then that realisation hit home again and I hot-footed it to Celtic Park as fast as my legs would carry me to be part of that wonderful send-off that the Celtic support gave to one of our own. But I'll leave the final words to Tommy in his book, Twists and Turns, written in 1989, when he sums up the three most important things in his life, faith, family and football. In his dedication page, he writes, To Rosemary, who was the making of Tommy Burns, I love you more each day. To our blessed lady, my thanks for carrying me through all the hard times and keeping my feet on the ground on the many great times, your servant. And finally, to the Celtic supporters, thanks for accepting me. You'll never walk alone. Tommy Burns, thank you.
Did I speak a lot of Thank you, Brendan. And I think the first thing I want to say is congratulate Brendan and thank him and the Grave Society for putting on today, but also the great work that they've done in the past and I'm sure we'll do in the future to preserve the, the memories of the Celtic Greats. I'm sure we all can't believe that it's 10 years since, since Tommy passed, the tragic early passing of, of Tommy. And that passing had a, a really profound effect on everybody at the club. But at that time, I think our thoughts and concerns were mainly with, with Rosemary, with Michael, Jonathan, Jenna and Emma, and the anguish and pain and indescribable, unimaginable grief that we were going through at that time. And then, in a hope today, we, we would hope that they take some comfort from the love that Tommy had from everybody at Celtic, from our supporters in the Celtic community. Tommy Burns was a was and always will be one of Celtic's favourite sons. Uh, he epitomised, he, he was Celtic. He personified Celtic as a man, as a human being. He carried their values, uh, humility, diversity, inclusion, family, charity. He was a wonderful man and humour. Humour was another obviously great aspect to him. A wonderful man uh, with Celtic running through his blood. He, as a player, again, I'm just, he twisted, turned, he was Tommy Burns. As a player, in my own mind's eye at the moment, I can just see him, you know, the sun shining like today, shining that red head, shining on the Celtic, the green and white hoops, how proud he was to wear them. A wonderful player. His um, elegance, his guile, his ingenuity, his passion, his determination. An absolutely wonderful player and one of the greats. And even today, in this modern game, I'm sure there would have been a big place for Tommy Burns at Celtic or any other club he would choose to go to, but Celtic was his club. As a manager, uh, he played the Celtic way. He played expansive, open, entertaining, winning football, the Celtic way, a joy to watch. But also he was probably an unlucky manager. Um, at that time, uh, the club that was Rangers were spending millions <laughs> Absolute millions at that point, and it was really an uneven playing field for Tommy. So he was rather unlucky at that point, but he, he actually, uh, financially it was uneven, but he actually was a winner. And we all look back to that glorious 1995 Scottish Cup final with his lieutenants, Paul McStay, Peter Grant, Packy Bona, where he won uh, the Scottish Cup that day. A fantastic day that will stay in our memories uh, forever, and he was a winner. And then he came back as a coach. Uh, he was a brilliant coach and he had a real interest in developing young players. He wanted to make them better. He wanted to make them as best as they possibly could be. Not just for Celtic, but for the players themselves. He had a real interest in individuals and players and he treated them as if they, they were his own. And that was a great, that was a great experience and, and, and held him in great stead for the next task that he was given at Celtic. Because at that point, we didn't have a youth development structure, we had no academy, and Tommy was given the task of creating a Celtic academy, professional academy for the first time. So he set about that with his usual vigour and dynamism and created and built the Celtic academy and what it is today. He brought some good people, he built the structure, he put in the processes and technology, and what we have today is the Celtic academy is down to him. 
What he didn't have at that time was the, the facilities. He didn't have the building. And I remember going up to uh, Lennox Town, way back there, that must be, goodness me, 14, 15 years ago. And there was this derelict hospital site halfway up a hill in Lennox Town. And I said to him, this is going to be your new training ground. And believe me, you needed imagination at that point to see what was going to happen. So we bought the land, we set about it, and Tommy's input was invaluable. And even today, now looking over that Campsy Glen, uh, it's a great part of Tommy's legacy and a great monument to the work that he, that he did and he gave us. And then Gordon Strachan came along, and even recently Gordon said to me that, uh, that moving or promoting Tommy back into the first team was the best decision he ever made. I think it helped Gordon over the difficult first few months, and he became a real friend and real inspiration, and played a big, big part in that three in a row. Remember that, Gordon? Fantastic. So a great man, a great Celtic man, and we look towards his legacy, and his legacy, I think there's a legacy even today. The outstanding success we've had over the last two years under Brendan, uh, Tommy's also played his part. Because maybe if it wasn't for him creating that academy, creating the, the, the systems, creating the, the, the building, we may not have had James Forrest, Kieran Tierney, Callum McGregor, three stalwarts in Brendan's invincible team, and hopefully, by next Saturday night, the double treble winners. No pressure there, Brendan. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy described himself as a supporter who got lucky. Uh, we were the lucky ones, Tommy. Thank you and God bless. Thanks very much, Peter. That was special. Can I ask Brendan Rogers to say a few words, please? It's probably quite fitting, actually, that the sun's shining today, and normally they tell me that these uh, types of days can be full of rain, but uh, we've certainly been here today. Uh, the sun's certainly shining on a, on a Celtic man. Probably everyone's here for a reason, and their own reasons for Tommy, and I just want to share very briefly two sort of moments for me really where, where Tommy really helped me what I am today really. Um, first of all, when I go back, I, I was what, 1973 to 1989, so the first 16 years of my life uh, as a child back in the Troubles in, in Northern Ireland. So it coincided with, with Tommy's period nearly for that full 16 years. He was 1975 till 1989. So for the 14 years that he, he played at Celtic, I was a young guy growing up, and I think all of, all of us stood here today, you understand that the foundation years of your life and how prominent they are. And for me, even though at that time it was a dangerous place, Northern Ireland, and I was never allowed to travel over so much. I had plenty of relatives and family that would travel to the games at Celtic Park and all around, um, all around the world, really, watching Celtic. I've listened to it on the radio, I've listened to the various games. And the one guy that would always come back, that was always loved and talked about, was, was Tommy Byrne. And I go, as I said, I, I look at those early stages of my life, and obviously the likes of Packy and Danny and the guys that are here today are obviously very prominent. But I think everyone understood what Tommy was, and that was the, that was the message that was given to me 
right the way through my life. Like like Peter said, all the all the stories that you would hear about Tommy, and and then when it got to that age where you could watch him on telly and you could see the passion that he that he played and he had for Celtic, then I grew up then as a young player wanting to be Tommy Burns. I was left footed. Just watching him play just made me want to be Tommy, and and obviously I got to an age. 11, 12 years of age, where I was starting to understand football a wee bit better. And uh, at that stage, cup finals, and that was on the telly, and watching him back in the Skull Cup, I think it was, in, in 84, when he chipped it over the, the wall for Brian McClare, it was to score. It was an incredible piece of skill. And, and then going through then, just before I left to, to come to England, you know, in 1988, the centenary year, I was 15. So by then, he and that team was really ingrained in the formative years of my life. And um, and like I say, I still think of them now at 45 as, as very important years. So Tommy played a huge part in that. The next the next memory I had of, of Tommy then was, was then going to 1998. Again, it was at a formative age of my, my coaching life. I just began coaching. Uh, I was working at, uh, at Reading Football Club. And I remember a few years actually before Tommy did come, there was rumours that he was maybe going to be manager. And I was working with the young players at, at Reading. And this was going to be a dream for me. Tommy Burns, the player, the guy that I admired, was obviously coaching and was being linked with, uh, with managing Reading. It never happened. But it, in 1998, it did happen. And as I said, it was a dream. We came along with Packy. And they were only there a year. But the influence that they had on me, which they will never know, was, was huge in that year. Because I was able to sit and pick their brains lots of times. I was a very young coach just beginning in the game. I had two guys that were my heroes working at, uh, working at Reading. And they were, I look back on it now, the things that I think about now as Celtic manager. It takes me back to when I was a young coach and the stories that they gave me. And just hit Tommy's intensity as a... Uh, as a manager, I remember being sat in a room with him once, watching a game. He never spoke to me the whole time. <laughs> he was in the room. The, the guys will, that will have worked with him will understood the passion and just the focus he had on coaching. And that was something that really, really stayed with me as a, as a young guy. And also, without knowing it, I would watch him walk. I would just stalk him. You know, I was just in awe of Tommy, you know, I would see him outside, it was the old ground at, at Reading, it was called Ellen Park, and there's a little shop, I would pop into the shop and come out, and if I seen Tommy, I can see it as clear as day now, walking up the side of the, the, the street to go to the ground, and he was wearing his long trench coat, and he had a, he had a brown sort of bag to keep all these folders and everything in, and he just was class. And, and from that very early stage, as a coach, I was looking at him and I wanted to be Tom Burns' coach, as well as the player. So that, even though it was only a year, like I said, it stayed with me right the way through my life. And, um, and he went on after a year, and obviously um, I kept in touch with him in our, and uh, as I said, up until he passed away. My second and probably fine point is, is legacy, really. You hear it a lot. And legacy, as Peter rightly said, you, know, you come to Lennox Town and you see the great impact he had uh, on the academy. Um, he was always about quality 
whether it was quality players, quality facilities. I think if you look at the first team today, as Peter rightly said, so many of those guys, either through Celtic or Scotland, have been affected by Tommy Burns. Um, but legacy for me is more than that. I always think that legacy is about how you feel. And I think everyone here today will have felt what Tommy Burns meant to them. And what Tommy Burns meant to me was everything. Tried to run through that without crying. <laughs> in my mind, but like I say, the legacy of Tommy um, is always about how we feel. And there's lots of visual things in legacy, but for me, he's given me something that I felt as a young boy and I felt as a coach and it'll be with me for a lifetime. So to Rosemary and the family, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. That was incredible, Brendan. Thanks for sharing that. Can I ask Gordon Strachan to see a few words, please? Where do we start? Uh, you know, I'll expect me somebody bigger. Um, <laughs> but, um, where do we start with this man? Um, first of all, it, it could only be a Tommy Burns memorial where you have people very emotional, people laughing. Father Doherty being hilarious. You know, usually when you go by a cemetery, it's kind of mourning and crying, and but we're all laughing uh, because he's an exceptional man who had all sorts of talents. And I was with on Thursday nights with a doctor, who everybody knows Derek, um, who looked after Tommy for the last couple of months of his life, and, and literally slept beside him nearly every night. And, and he said to me, he says, uh, "It's nearly. I said, I know it's nearly ten years." He says, uh, "I feel cheated, you know." Um, about that. He's like, I can't speak to him anymore. I can't talk to him. He can't. He can't make me feel better when you know we all had bad days. So yeah. Um, but on the, the the other side, of it, I was um, I was at a dinner last night and um, I uh, there were 300 people there, and I said three sentences from Tommy Burns's life. Three. I had three I had 300 people roaring in laughter, roaring in laughter. And after it, so well done, Tommy. Made me a few bob last night. Thank you. Um, I need it now. I'm out of job. Um, so, but after it, um, people come up to me and uh, loved this Tommy Bond stuff. Loved that. And they, they went on and they wanted to know about him. And that's was he as good as that? Was he as nice as that? Uh, I said he was. So in a way. As I say, the doc, there's, there's positives and, and negatives to this. That, to, in a way that 300 people went away last night, and it's a bit like religion, really. Sorry about that. That we sent 300 people away, knowing the legend of Tommy Burns, and they will go and tell other people about Tommy Burns. The friends, you can keep multiplying that. So from that last night, thousands of people know how good Tommy Burns is and what a special man he was. So there is positive and negative about that. 
and uh, we're all talking about how wonderful Manny was. He was a wonderful man, and he saved me from going bonkers for the first two months of my career at Celtic. He basically, between Leslie and himself, he saved me, and Peter as well, he saved me from going nuts. And uh, he, he used to say the most inappropriate things at the wrong times. In European games, old firm games, where people used to think he was giving me tactics, he was saying some totally inappropriate and stupid. Um, but it was well worth uh, coming here. As I said, the biggest bonus of being the Celtic manager was me and um, Tommy Burns. So I've got that, and I know the Burns family now, so that's a bonus. And uh, I heard about the Celtic way here, because Tommy Burns, you know, how wonderful he was, a nice guy, religion, but he had an incredible determination about him. You need that determination to be a footballer, and you need it sometimes for religion, so I'm told. Um, so if the Celtic way is, you come near me against track and I'll break your leg. <laughs> I don't get you, Big Roy's got to get you. So he had that incredible determination. We miss him, but the legend grows. And as Brendan says, what a wonderful day to come here. A special day. And I thank everybody for turning up. It's absolutely fantastic for everybody to stand up here today. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much, Gordon. That's Billy Stamp to see a few Let's back up a wee bit. <laughs> it's, it, it's always a privilege and a joy to talk about Tommy Burns. And I'm sure we've all got our own memories, uh, whether it be husband, father, grandfather, friend, teammate, manager, supporter. But I think my abiding memory of Tommy was as a teammate in that dressing room in the centenary year. And I can clearly recall never having seen a man so at peace, happy and content with his life. He was playing for his beloved Celtic and he was bringing up his young family with Rosemary. I think you know, Tommy's been idolised as a player, quite rightly, as a player, coach and manager. But it's his qualities as a man that I like to remember. And we can list some of them. Uh, honest, humble, mischievous, determined, stubborn, fiery, to mention a few. So it's quite a package. But I remember the first time that we went into management together was uh, at Kilmarnock and I felt very honoured and privileged again to be chosen by Tommy to help him uh, and we were, as I say, pre-season at Kilmarnock, first time in the job, quite newfangled, uh, coming to terms with it. Pre-season we thought we were going, taking a, a game against opposition that we were going to be playing, which was in Dunfermline I think it was. And they were playing up at Montrose. And it backs up the legendary status that Tommy got as a latecomer. And this is when I found out how he managed it. So we set off from Montrose to watch this game. Uh, stopped at Dundee for a bite to eat. And of course, Tommy will have a starter. So we were on the starter. Main course. And I'm looking at my watch. And when you go on a team bus as a player, you don't really take much into account, so 
you know, I wasn't sure how far Montrose was in the car myself, to be honest. And Tommy certainly didn't know. So I'm looking at my watch and it gets to, we're finished at the main course. I love a pudding. She says, well, I didn't, didn't have to twist my arm for that. But anyway, we had the pudding and I'm thinking, we've got to go now. No, no, we'll have coffee and mint. So we moved on to the coffee and mint. So eventually we set off for Montrose. And luckily we got there for kickoff. Second half kicking off. <laughs> so, new as we were into the management side, we were aware of that tradition. They didn't want to give managers and coaches a bad name by waiting right to the end. So we left with about 20 minutes to go. <laughs> so, that was about 20, 25 minutes of the game that we saw. And we walked out the, the gate to get back to the car and Tommy says, I will beat them, they bother. <laughs> so that was positive thinking for you and that was Tommy to a T. But, as I say, I know everybody here misses Tommy on every level and every day. And I think Brendan summed it up very succinctly there. And we thank you all for coming along today. Thank you. Thanks very much, Pally. That's Paul Credit. Thanks very much, Brendan. Um, first of all, I just want to thank the Celtic Grave Society for having invited me to speak today. It is a, a real honour. Um, I also just want to add my thanks and gratitude to the Celtic Grave Society for the work they do. I think as, as Celtic supporters, it's something we should all be very proud of. When they remember our history, they celebrate it. And they're also making sure that it's getting passed on to future generations. And as, as people have been to previous uh, Celtic Grave Society events will tell you, first of all, the sun very rarely shines. Um, but also, we're generally celebrating the, the lives of the early Celts, either players or some of the founding fathers who laid the foundations for this club that we love. Today, obviously, is a much more contemporary event. Um, you know, Many of us were lucky enough to have seen Tommy Burns play for Celtic. I would have watched uh, the team that he managed in the 1990s. It brought back that idea of playing in the Celtic way, or even younger ones latterly would have seen him as a first-team coach as part of that successful three-in-a-row under Gordon. Many of you will have met him over the years, and some of you will have been lucky enough to get to know him. So, as people have said, we've all got our own memories of, of Tommy, which I'm sure we're, we're thinking about today. Um, when, when I wrote the, the biography back in 2009, and I'd said in the introduction that as a Celtic supporter, uh, I felt lucky to have been given the opportunity to write the story of Tommy's life, even though it was an opportunity I wish that had never arisen. And those sentiments are as strong today as I'm standing here as they were back in 2009. And the great privilege for me in writing the book was actually um, meeting and getting to know Tommy's family, um, his wife Rosemary and obviously Emma, Jenna, Michael and Jonathan. And they were so helpful and supportive of the whole project and also really honest and, and open and talking about things that were obviously very painful and you know today and, and obviously this time of the year and at various other points in the year when maybe milestones in Tommy's life or career came up but my first thoughts are always to them and I think just the amount of people here today is just a sign of, of how much Tommy meant to us and, and continues to mean to us all. Um, I mean I was thinking about what to say today actually it, it dawned on me that, that Tommy was actually the same age as I am now when he passed away and he was just a young man but in, in that, that all too short life he did some extraordinary things particularly for our club and 
Some people would argue that he was maybe destined to play for Celtic, obviously born in the Carlton, as, as Brendan said, into the same parish that Celtic were born. But I think it was more than fate. I think it was his football ability. I think it was his hard work, his dedication, his will to win, and this just absolute desire to wear that green and white jersey that, that he absolutely loved. And we, we managed to make it through from Boys Guild and Boys Club Football to play for Celtic. And he made his debut in 1975, April 1975, in a home game against Dundee. He came on for the last half hour of a game against uh, Dundee for Paul Wilson. We lost the game. The following week, Celtic View, uh, in the report, they said that one of the bright spots in Saturday's defeat was the display of young Tommy Burns. He came on in the last half hour and thrilled the fans with an old-fashioned and graceful exhibition of the arts and crafts of soccer. I mean, I always think of, of Tommy Burns and I remember him playing, I always think the word graceful was really apt and it's always something that's puzzled me sometimes when we talk about particularly skillful left-footed players. It's always left-footed players that have a cultured left foot or an educated foot. It's never right-footed players and I'm sure Gordon's probably standing there thinking I had quite a cultured right foot back in the day and uh, unfortunately we can remember him using it to good effect when he played for Aberdeen and Tommy played for Celtic but um, I remember asking the manager always as a, as a fellow left-footed player why that, why we we talked about left-footed players like that and we were talking about Tommy and he, he spoke about the, the poise, the balance, the way that somebody would take the ball and the gracefulness with which they would play it. And as I say, whenever I think of Tommy Burns, I just think of a graceful footballer. And from that, that debut, he went on to make 503 appearances for Celtic and he scored 82 goals and he won six league titles and all of which were, were memorable in their own way. He was part of the, the squad that won the double in 77, which was also... Jock Steen's last title of his extraordinary era. He was part of the, the squad the season of, of Big Billy's first title when the 10 men won the league. He didn't play in that game, he was injured, but George McCluskey always tells a great story of at the end of the game looking up into the director's box and Tommy's standing on top of the director's box, arms outstretched and roaring and greeting, like the supporter he, he always was. Um, he won the back-to-back -back titles in 81 and 82. He scored the winning goal at Tannadice in 81 uh, when we beat the United 3-2 to win the league. He was part of that extraordinary triumph in 86 at Love Street. And of course, I think he was an integral part of the, the centenary double, which for, for, for many of us of a certain age, as, as the manager alluded to, was just you know some of the greatest memories of our Celtic support in life. But what, one of my favourite Tommy Burns quotes was, he was actually asked once, what was his greatest achievement as a player? And he said his greatest achievement was staying at Celtic for so long, because bad players don't play for Celtic for 14 years. And he's absolutely right. And when I think back to that era, I think we were spoilt for choice with heroes. You know, with the likes of Danny McGrain, who Tommy had always said was the best player he'd ever seen play for Celtic. With Roy Aitken, with Packy Bonner, with Paul McStay, just to name a handful. All great players. And when you look at the, the appearance record, all-time appearance record of Celtic players, after Billy McNeil, who's obviously out in front, some of these guys are, are among the players who played more times for this club than any other. Obviously, first and foremost, because they were great players. But I think like Tommy, I think for them, they always realised, as, as we heard the quote earlier on, when they put on that jersey, they weren't just playing for a football club, they were playing for a people and a cause. But I think everyone would admit, particularly back then, that there was a special place in their heart for Tommy, over and above all these other great heroes. And at the time, if you'd asked me, back in the early 80s, why we all love Tommy Burns, I, I probably couldn't have articulated it very well. I think as a 17-year-old, if you'd said to me, you know, 
Why is Tommy Burns a hero? I think I could have probably just said because he's a right good Tim. <laughs> but I've thought about it more recently and also in the lead up to this. And actually, I, I think, I genuinely think, it's because he was actually a role model for us by his actions and not his deeds. If you think back to the early 80s, Scotland, and particularly the west of Scotland, was a, a different place. You know, Scottish football, it, you know, it turned a blind eye for most of the 20th century to a sectarian signing policy. There was still discrimination in the workplace. And yet he was a guy in the public eye who came along and he embodied everything that was positive for us about our football club and also for him and for many of us of our faith as well. And he always did it in a very positive way by his actions and not his, rather than his words. He embodied all the best things about the pride and the passion of playing for Celtic always with this great will to win, but also to play in the right way and to win in the right way. And I've heard in the last couple of years, quite a few times, the managers described how he's always wanted his teams to be humble in victory and gracious in defeat. And I always feel those were qualities that, that Tommy Burns absolutely embodied in much the same way as with his faith as well. It was something he was comfortable with, he was comfortable to practice, but it was always in terms of being very positive and for, for us as young people growing up in Glasgow, it was, it was something that we could aspire to and admire. And I, I kind of realised that's still a really long-winded way of just saying he was a right good Tim. <laughs> um, and obviously his, his uh, contribution to Celtic didn't end as, as manager. He had a successful spell obviously in Kilmarnock and I think you know, he got them promoted to, back to the top flight of Scottish football in 1993 and that's a status they've retained to this day. And, Regardless of any acrimony at the time between the clubs of, of them coming here from Kilmarnock, I know that Kilmarnock as a club and also as supporters still appreciate what him and Billy Stark did for Kilmarnock back then. And he did come to, to Celtic at a difficult time, but I think he restored this sense of pride and, and this idea that there is a Celtic way of playing football. I think he set the foundations in place for the successes that we enjoyed in the 1990s and also into the 21st century. And I know over the years from talking to some of the guys that played under him that their biggest regret was not winning the title for Tommy because they knew how much it, it meant to him. As we heard, you know, Peter saying that he came back and he'd established again the, the youth set up here. And I think maybe just as a guy who'd come through the ranks, really appreciated you know, the fact that while we could bring in players from, from all over the world who would become heroes, there's always something special about guys who come through the ranks who are, are Celtic supporters and like him, it was always a modest description of himself as a supporter who got lucky, but there was always something about guys who come through the ranks. So when I think back to even the likes of John Kennedy and Steve McManus, Ed McGeady and Sean Maloney, just to name a few, who would have owed a lot to the work that Tommy did uh, with them in the academy. And then even now, when you look at the current team, as we heard, you know, the likes of Kieran Tierney and James Forrest and Callum McGregor are just part of that legacy. And I'm sure Tommy would have appreciated and enjoyed as much as anyone that footage of Kieran Tierney not playing, but just in with his fellow supporters. A supporter who got lucky, but never forgetting his roots and, and where he came from. Um, and obviously, latterly, he, Tommy returned to the first team uh, when Gordon came in and was part of that great three-in-a-row success and also the last 16 of the Champions League on two occasions. And again, another favourite Tommy Burns quote of mine was he said that when, when Gordon came in and, and brought him back into the first team, it restored a lot of self-respect to him because it meant he was now coaching again with the first team. I'm sure that was something he appreciated. And just in, in also the way that I think, you know, Gordon obviously brought a lot of success to the club, but I think the way uh, at the time that Tommy's passing, the way that Tom, uh, Gordon led the club, 
great dignity and, and great strength was something I think the Celtic supporters have always admired and appreciated and, and want to thank him for. I think just in closing, whenever I've been at any of these Celtic Graves Society events, I actually genuinely always go away feeling quite uplifted. I find them, fill, they fill you with a real sense of Celtic pride and I go away with this genuine feeling that there is absolutely nothing better in the world than being a Celtic supporter. And it's always the, the words I always think are most apt here are, are the, that famous quote from Willie Maley, uh, which he said back in 1931 following John Thompson's death. And it's really appropriate today as we're all gathered here. They never die, they'll live in the hearts they leave behind. God bless Tommy Burns. We just ask our last speaker, oh, Danis, can you go, Danny? I'm Scott, I'm the bad guy in this movie, because it's Mr. Tommy Burns, the nicest guy in the world. I'm a, I must be the only person to support it, me, Tommy. Because none of you have played behind Tommy. <laughs> and I must be the first, one of the first times I was moved over to the left back. Tommy's always the left midfield. He was gay. Uh, Tommy Burns is there, fine. And then their fullback would attack us. And Tom would just let them go. <laughs> and then I'm end up two on one. It didn't happen that often, but it happened enough times for me to shoot at Tam. Tam, we want. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Tam being Tam, says I actually. <laughs> so half time would come, and I'd be on Tony's back. Come on, Tam, what are you doing? He says I, but you're playing there. Big Tam's there. Big Roy's there. And if you can't kind of defend against two people, it's a bad day. <laughs> I mean, I write that. You're a great guy. <laughs> so now it's the second half. Think about, I've said to Tam, and you'll you work harder. And I know Tam Burns. I thought I knew Tam Burns. But Tam was a great guy off the park. Great guy on the park, great player on the park. And the key work. Because you, you, you could do it. You could have done it. But you just didn't want to do it. <laughs> and he, he was loved by it because if we did clear it up, or the goalkeeper got it, he gave it to me. And that's time Tommy. Not picking up the guy, the guy who was attacking, the guy who Tam should be picking up, was up the park. And Tam's in tons of route. Tom gets the ball and says, counter-attack. We didn't score all the time. Because I don't think we scored ever. <laughs> <laughs> but Tam was just, you see the point of it? Coming back and helping a back four of good, oh, good players. Well, I was all right, left back, but Tam was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had to get that out because I felt, <laughs> it's like a confession, eh? So, I now feel so late. So thanks very much.
I've been that in for too long, Danny. He's asked Willie Hockey to say a few words, please. Did you follow that? Um, first, can I say, ending the gags for the Great Society, what a wonderful job you do. I mean, this is a, a magic day, so thank you for your invite and thank you, obviously, for the opportunity to speak. So, well done. You heard already that Tommy lived his life you know, through the three Fs, you know, his family, his faith and football. And um, there's, there's no doubt that it's not a coincidence that Celtic was started in St Mary's and, and Tam came for the count in St Mary's. Bernard Walford lit the torch for us way back 130 years ago. And I tell you, Tam Burns carried it and it's like a beacon. And if anybody who knew Tam and knew what it was all about, that, Everything that's good about Celtic, the values, what our mission was. We just had to spend half an hour with Tam and knew what this club was all about. And just a wee example of what this club's all about and what Tam meant. Another great Celtic, Charlie Gallagher, was here today. He's not keeping very well. He's determined to be here. He's just been carried out yet. So I thank for Charlie and everyone for coming. Thank you very much to the family. Thank you. Tommy Burns wasn't the, the greatest player about for Celtic. He was the finest human being. Anybody who knew him, everybody knew his values, everything was about. Never told lies, I don't think so, Rosemary. Um, he was always straight, straight guy, but this club was meant everything to him, absolutely everything to him. And uh, I thought maybe I would just share a couple of stories with you, my experiences with him. Um, when I was on the board and, and Tommy as the manager, there was a young boy in Northern Ireland who were desperate to sign. He was a good, good player. And everybody was after him. Manchester United, Liverpool, and everybody. And Sam said to me, will you come with us over to Ireland, come and see the family, see if we can get, we can get, to get this young boy. And at that time, the two young stars in our team were Jackie McNamara and Simon Donnelly. For those of you who know, know kind of, Simon wasn't brought up in the Celtic way, if I can put it that way. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we went over, we got over to Belfast. And we're taken down to this um, really strong nationalist area where all the great murals of other heroes and tricolours were everywhere and there was a barrier to get into the street and there was guys standing about who looked as if they had guns. I think Jackie and Simon were about 19 at the time and Simon was particularly nervous, I can tell you. He actually said to me, Carrie, wish he was wearing brown cords. So we go into the house and Tommy's done a great number on the family and the boy. And I said to Tom, people are all gathering outside, there's people twitching, window curtains are moving. And I says to Tommy, I think Simon's a wee bit nervous. And you want to see the rickety car we were getting into? Tommy lets Simon walk down the park where there's about 50 people in, in the garden. And Tommy shouts out, Oh Sid, you're the first parody to be here in 60 years. <laughs> I've never seen Simon moving so fast in all my life. Right? Simon was pointing to Jackie saying, he's Sid. That was one story. Uh, Rosemary told me a brilliant story, um, which I'll finish with, but Gordon Strachan, and tells you a bit about Gordon as well. Um, Gordon done something that I'll never forget, and uh, I always, this is what I'll always say to Gordon Strachan. When Tommy was really ill, really ill, my wife had a friend, and his, his daughter was really ill as well, and she had the same problem that Tommy had, cancer. And Susan Harain had arranged to take a jet over to Lourdes, and she was taking the girl across. Me and Sue were having a chat and he says, why don't we take Tommy? So anyway, we spoke to him. Tommy says, that's fine, that's great, brilliant. Anyway, he went away to Lourdes and he came back. And we were playing Rangers on the Saturday. I'll never forget it. 
and I was walking into the park and I was coming back down. It was only about 10 minutes to go to the kickoff. Tommy had been back for the Lords for about three days. And this wee story is to tell you about what his faith meant to him. And I was walking in and Gordon's driving. He was running out to see the team, seen me, and says, come here. And he took me into his room and he says, well, you'll never know what that trip done for Tam. He thinks he's cured. He says, he come, seriously, he says, he come back here in the last three days. He knows he's no cured. Right, but he thinks the Lord has cured him. He says it's given him such a tremendous lift. And no, Rosemary told me the same thing. But that tells you about Tam and his faith, but it also tells you about God's tracking and what he thought about Tam. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you my last story that Rosemary told me when they were in the hospital. Tommy was really, really ill and he was going down for some treatment. And a doctor came in and he looked at his chart at the bottom of the bed. And the doctor says, Well, you should be getting this and you should be getting it and that. Rosemary's looking at him and Tam says, No, 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 no. That's a rank chart. So that's not what I'm getting. The guy looked at Sharon and goes, oh, I've made a mistake. He says to Rosemary, get that checked too. I don't want to go down here and come back up with a boob job. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. The people before me have said all the things about Tam. He's a legend, you know, boy for the cow, me for the gorbals. We hated each other, I mean, tongs and the combi. I'm glad, I'm glad he wasn't in the tongs, right? But I, I would just like to say that it was an honour and a privilege to be a wee part in his life and I was absolutely delighted to be involved with him. And it's great now, a lot of the family still work with me, I see him every day, I'm reminded every day by him and try to get rid of him for 10 years, isn't he working? Right? But I just wanted to be finished saying that if anybody doubted that Tommy Burns was a legend, there'd be people standing here in 100 years to commemorate him. Thank you. Can't be personal memories. Wonderful. Rask uh, Michael Burns, Tommy's son. Can you say a few words, please? Uh, I basically just want to say a couple of uh, thank yous to be honest with you. I've not got any stories because you know, I live with something like my dad. There's far too many to, to pick from, really. So, first thank you has to go to the Celtic Grace Society. Uh, I've had a few meetings with them over the past few months and a really humble, nice, nice group of guys. Don't do it for financial gain or publicity. In fact, if anything, they kind of don't like the, the press to be there because it kind of distracts from the whole mood of the day and the feel of the day. So I think a massive, massive thank you to them. Another round of applause. Thank you very much. <laughs> Second thank you uh, is to the speakers today. Apart from you, Brendan, I was really in a heap. I mean, you started talking. <laughs> no, honestly, thanks very much. The stories were... Fantastic. I mean, you hear them a million times before, but you can't help but laugh and smile every single time you hear them. Um, it's amazing. Uh, and the third and final thank you has to be to everyone that's here today, to the fans. Um, I think my dad said, was it in 1880? No, 1888. I was 1988, ironically enough. Um, he said they're there and they're always there. And I think to this day you've yet to prove them wrong, so well done. Thank you. <coughs> Say this before I do a Brendan. <clears throat> um, I think very often in life people pass away and they get the nicest words said about them and the nicest flowers sent to the house, which is fantastic. But it's the day after the funeral that you remember the world keeps on turning and people go back to their work and their own families to look after. And it's that kind of learning to live with that kind of loneliness and that kind of grief and that realization that, that person's gone. But where we're lucky as a family is that we've got this kind of situation where people, I mean, I can't remember the last time my dad was mentioned, there wasn't people turning up in the hundreds of thousands. 
to support us and to remember them. So we've got that and we're very lucky and not everyone has that. And that's something that has really, really helped us, you know, come to terms with my dad's death. And it's really helped for the past 10 years. So a massive, massive thank you to you all from me and from my family. Thank you. Thanks very much, Michael. If anyone would like to lay some flowers on the grave,
Just before we close, we'd like to make a very small presentation to the family as a token of our appreciation. If I could just call forward Declan Sweeney, Brendan Rogers, please, to hand some flowers over to the family. Do the fair rosemary first. Jenna, please. Uh, Michael, there's no flowers left. It's need to be a bottle of wine. <laughs> Just in closing, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank everyone for attending today and making today's ceremony so special. Ten years on, we've seen just how much Tommy's name will always live forever. We've got Tommy Burns commemorative booklets for sale today, priced at £5. The Celtic Grave Society have put forward the cost of the printing, so every single penny raised will go to the Tommy Burns Skin Cancer Trust. So it's all to a good cause. I'd like to thank all our speakers. I'm sure everyone will, will agree. Everyone has been so special. It's been unbelievable, guys. It's our 40th ceremony, but this has been the most emotional, without a shadow of a doubt. We'd like to thank the cemetery staff as well. Ten years ago, this was just a new piece of land. And aptly, the cemetery staff left plot number 10 for Tommy, the number that was on the back of his top. How good was that? We'll also bear in mind that on Tuesday there will be a 10th anniversary mass at 7pm in St Mary's Calton for Tommy Burns. But I'd just like to leave the final words from Tommy to you, the Celtic support. They're there and they're always there. And that's what's so special about them. And God bless every one of them. Thank you. and for some photographs of the family, please.
We've given him the strength to fight for good rights And he has given us the team to blaze in green and white From Irish shores to Scottish hearts and all that's in between That was Brother Walford's dream Looking down on us and smiles on what he sees In this place called paradise united in belief Through the wind and through the rain and throughout history We won't forget our brother's dream Dream.